0: Hi everyone, welcome to actually the first episode of our newly branded The Loop um, podcast. Really excited today to be joined by Stefan, who's CMO and co-founder of Dream Data. Today's episode, we're gonna be talking about illuminating the B2B buying journey as buying behavior has shifted. So in this session, we're gonna be focusing on the changing nature of how B2B buying behavior has changed. In this era when buying journeys start way before a buyer actually speaks to sales, we're gonna be thinking about how we can use attribution to illuminate multitude of touch points within that journey. Um, We'll be going into some of the pitfalls many B2B companies fall into with attribution, offering some advice to companies who are not too advanced in their attribution efforts. And finally, we'll show practical ways B2B companies can start illuminating that full buying journey in 23. So I'm gonna kick off first by asking you, Stefan, To introduce yourself and Dream Data and what you do, with a bit of context of like your company size, etc., so everyone can kind of get a steer from where where you're coming at this from. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Alice. I didn't realize I was the first guest here, so I'll I'll try to to keep up the the quality level for for future guests as well. Then I'm a I'm a co-founder of Dream Data. I've been doing. b2b marketing growth related roles ever since i graduated university now more than uh, 10 years ago it's always been b2b companies it's always been pretty digital companies so uh, when i'm speaking i'm pretty biased by only having been in companies that are like thinking very very digitally i think my whole entry point into kind of why you can say that this topic of attribution or more like basic knowing what works topic has come from my own experience of like the company I was at before joining Dream Data. We were selling the B2B hardware into to schools and businesses. And we went through this journey of you know zero ad spend to 100,000 uh, 100, euros in on ad spend per month. And then kind of the first 10, 20,000 you put in, you kind of see the, the cause and effect yeah. relatively clearly. But the last 10, 20,000 you put in, you're a little bit, hmm, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know really how this connects. And I was, uh, I was super focused on, like, I really want to do marketing to produce revenue for our company. But I just simply didn't know how to do that because of this. now we're in 2016 or something like that. But I really, really couldn't find any smart ways of, of doing so. So I was looking at ad spend marketing activities in the present month where we, we carried them out, even though I would know that the journey obviously is going to be six months, 12 months, etc. But it was every, anything I, uh, I had available. And then at the end of my, my tenure there, I met my now two co-founders of Dream Data. Who had been going at this problem from an uh, engineering uh, side of uh, things? They were leading product and engineering at TrustPilot, uh, a review platform, and they were—they knew that that platform signed up five thousand accounts organically every month, which were at in the beginning valued at at zero, mm-hmm. and then they would applaud the salespeople whenever they sold something. So they just started asking, okay. Let's, let's try to look at what happens to this account once we see it the first time and how long does it take before we sell to them? What are the digital touches on this path? Is there any indicator of whether it's better to get it from a certain channel or another channel? Can we predict churn this way or upsell and stuff like that? And this basic idea about knowing as much as you can about the, the customer journey is still kind of the core idea for what we, we do at Dream Data today. The, the, the core of our product is really, you could say, a go-to-market data platform for B2B companies. So anything that touches your account journeys, we extract out of whatever silo uh, that it lives within. And then we build account-based timelines of every touch of every account. So that's kind of the... the ba- then And then attribution is, you can say, a small feature within uh, the delivery of, uh, of that product.
0: Amazing. Thank you. I mean, I could think... I mean, attribution has always been... And I think will always continue to be um, a source of hot debate among marketers and definitely everyone has a different yeah. philosophy towards it. And it's a problem that we'll continue to try and solve and it only gets more complex as this virus yeah. changes. And I know myself, yeah, I've been through my own journeys with attribution. So I'm really interested um, just to hear from you, like your philosophy around attribution. I see that you actually use the term revenue attribution. You kind of touched upon it a little bit in that introduction, yeah. but just interested to learn a bit more about like why that's important and what it means to you and how that feeds into your overall philosophy when it comes to attribution like do you feel like attribution is something you should look at through one lens and and that's the sole lens by which you make decisions is it something that enables you to move in a certain direction yeah like i mean i don't want to put words in your mouth yeah. <laughs> you what that philosophy is
1: yeah okay um so there's a lot of ways I can go here, but let me just start by like overall, why am I interested in in this topic of attribution? The reason for that is that I wanna like like in simple terms, I want to win, and the simplest way to kind of win is to on, let's say we had we won 100 customers last year. I want to know the path of those 100 customers. Because by knowing the path that they took, it's very likely that I can come up with ideas about stuff we can repeat and scale. And we probably also did some stuff that we, we could stop. Okay. So that's kind of, that, like, that's the, you can say, the simple die. expression of it. when it comes to marketing. I think you're a big proponent of that as well, is that you want to start with what makes sense, meaning in the sense that, firstly, we need to make sure that our activities are in getting in front of the right people with the right messaging that one I subscribe to to completely as well where you then want to be uh, be doing or like thinking about attribution is where you where you need to go from kind of God feeling and move over to where do we in, like next year if we double our budget what do we do or as many markets has experienced the last couple of months here like let's cut the budget with fifty percent which fifty percent do, do we keep? but then it's important to to think about as well that there's stuff that is easy measurable which is like a click on an ad that became a demo call Mm -hmm. whereas like for example i follow a lot of your uh, linkedin posts and somebody just consuming that and ending up at cognizant a few months later is completely impossible to at least close to close to impossible to track so i think this it's a it's a discipline where you knew, like, you need some uh, gut feeling and you need some experience and you need to kind of know when the data is telling you now, okay, now you need to hardcore act on this. And other times it's actually enough to see that people do comment a lot on your, your LinkedIn post. So there's like, there's two buckets of discipline, like ad buying relatively, like here you can really attribute stuff. Then there's other things like you know, running a community, a podcast like we have here today that are harder to measure where you need to think more creatively about how do we build a narrative of, of this making sense.
0: Amazing. I guess that feeds into something that you said I saw on LinkedIn, which is that which I, I liked. Less marketers would get fired if they excelled at attribution. And then you sort of define attribution being qualitatively and quantitatively. <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to dig into what you were getting at here.
1: Yeah, what I mean is, yeah, you know, also sometimes you fish on LinkedIn (laughs) to see if you'll piss somebody off. But uh, (laughs) that's how it. But what I mean is really the nature of go-to-market in B two B is that sales are really is really appreciated because when the contract is signed, they can show the contract we signed this customer. What I believe uh, and the impact I've seen from from marketing at the companies I've been at has been that 80% of the pipeline has maybe come, it, it's still more than 80% that dream data that comes from marketing activities. So I'm, essentially, I want a marketing activity to be regarded as greatly as somebody signing a sales contract because both of us and you know, product customer success as well contribute to producing revenue. But because of the nature of how our customer journey is constructed, then it's much harder to prove yeah. the first part of the journey rather than the the last part of it, and that's why I meant by you wouldn't get fired or you wouldn't get your budget cut as much if it was much more transparent that I do ABCD with the money you give me and I produce XYZ uh, outcome.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's that trap of money in, dollar out, and CFA's and CEOs specifically thinking that you can like if it's not actually attributable on that ad click resulting in a demo request then nothing else happened outside of that and nothing else contributes and we've I've sort of seen this a lot at Cognizant during the journey as well and we've I think had a lot of education required around all of the other impacts that marketing can have, but that whole illumination of the dark side of it—that's harder to attribute—is definitely a continual journey, and I think we're going to dig into it a lot more here.
1: Yeah, and the reason why I, I put in that bracket that is both quantitative and qualitative was to kind of get in front of the the dark funnel army <laughs> to say that there's other other evidence than clicks on ads, and I actually think like just you know things like screenshots of activities is should be part of you building a narrative for your company see icps that fits who we're trying to sell to they interact with our stuff or they mention us in slack channels etc and you don't have any clicks to attribute so you have to take the responsibility on you as a marketer to take the screenshots and and share in your organization to help build that narrative of see we're doing xyz and now some of the success metrics is that people start to mention us.
0: hundred percent. I actually, um, this is definitely something I recommend marketers to do. So I was trying to th- figure out how I could present in, I only had 10 minutes to the board at the end of last year. um, And obviously I had all of the metrics and the metrics were great in terms of revenue and pipeline, but I wanted to explain what was this whole demand gen thing we were doing and like the impact it was having inside of dark social. So throughout the whole year I'd been collect. I just have this like doc that I just copy and paste um, some of the best exactly that like comments, likes, engagement from LinkedIn and other channels that we get um from our ICP. And then I built a video, which was called like the Dark Social Video. And it just was a great way in three minutes to show the impact of that. And when you put it all together and compile it, and we were able to break it down into like the newsletters, YouTube, podcast, and then also like LinkedIn. And it was really, really powerful. And also stood out, I guess, in a presentation of just PowerPoints across the day, this was like marketing and it was a video and it was a bit different. So I think if you're not doing that today, I definitely recommend doing it and it was well received. So I think that's a great tip.
1: I think that's super cool. And it, like in, when it comes to attribution, there's like, there's like let's say best in class technical solutions, like, like what we do, but there's so much stuff that you can just do uh, day by day, yeah. you know, Get the salespeople to ask on the sales calls. Monitor the communities, the comments. The you know you can put up this uh, self-reported form fill and get people to at least self-identify what what they perceive. So there's a lot of stuff you don't have to do from a technical perspective you're just kind of trying to know a little bit more.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's get on to what the dangers of bad attribution um, are and common mistakes from B2B companies. So I guess like, I think this is a really important one because attribution looks different at every organization. And I think whether you're a startup or you're inheriting some very complex, um, clunky build that's been set up before you when you go into a large organization, um, there's always going to be I'm sure things that could be improved. So I'd love to hear from you, like what, what are the, what's the worst stuff that you see most commonly? And um, yeah, what, why is that so bad?
1: Yeah, and I've, I'd be the first to admit that I've done so many wrong decisions just by blindly looking at data. I've, I've, I've seen like Facebook's pixels firing twice and I get all excited <laughs> because like, <Facebook> all right, <laughs> perfect so like, Anything that looks too good to be true, start by being a little bit uh, critical uh, about that. <laughs> because you can, like as you say yourself, you can be misled by data so much. The way I think about uh, attribution, there's a couple of things I want to say. Like, first of all, I think about it as like kind of a normal distribution or kind of a bell curve uh, image. I want to be able to see which of my activities are like significantly poor or significantly good. And then I constantly want to be like working with like, let's try to get rid of the activities that looks to not be yielding any return quantitatively or qualitatively and shift our efforts over into those things that we can clearly see have a return. I think where uh, where attribution goes very wrong is when it's, uh, it's not understood. And what I mean by that is, uh, I guess I mean a couple of things here. Firstly, for any attribution model to be correct, it actually needs to be applied to, you know, ideally it needs to be applied to 100% of the customer journey. Like you need to know anything that happened at that journey and across all your customers. But the fact is that like normal companies, they might know, 10 20, 30 percent of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. So whatever model you put on top of just like such a small fraction of, of the of the complete journey has the high risk of actually misguiding you. Yeah that's so that, that that's point one. Um, I would then say uh, what we typically see people underestimate uh, the importance of is uh, is two things. One thing is that all the tools that they use today to buy traffic, Google Analytics included, uh, as the analytics part of it, is engineered for you to understand the behavior of an individual. It's not built for you to understand the behavior of an account. So whenever you buy a click from Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, etc., they have no clue about what that click you paid for yields uh, six months later. So you can't really get any help from these platforms. The second thing is that the CRM systems is also completely misguiding you if you're relying on looking at the original source field. Because whatever they do, they only capture the last session of what what led to that. Let's say a demo call is booked, Mm -hmm. they will say, okay, somebody came in directly. The original source was direct. So demo calls, we need to produce more direct demo calls. That's great. (laughs) But just at Dream Data, whenever we get a demo call book, there's an average of four sessions included before the demo call is booked. Typically, you'd see that the first touch, uh, the, what started that journey is a marketing activity that could be paid, organic, whatever. Then the second visit could be somebody typing in the brand name organically in Google. And then the last two visits are direct because now your URL sticks in the browser. Mm-hmm. For those who are not able to make that connection between their activity and and the outcome, which is the demo call, they don't know where to put their next budget because they can't prove that gap even though that it, it was them who, who started this journey.
0: And how would you approach um, attributing value to each of those like four touch points, I guess? So um, the first thing that got them aware of the company and organization versus the the thing that actually ultimately made them convert?
1: Most of the time, I'm most interested in the first touch Mm -hmm. because in B2B, there's gonna be so many touches down the road, salespeople calling, sending emails, webinars, podcasts, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So I wanna understand are the things that consistently starts journeys that go towards the the point where I wanna take them? Mm Because as you start retargeting, et cetera, it can become a little bit muddier and a little bit less distinct in terms of what's working or not.
0: Yeah.
1: So understanding what is really the true first touch is at least what I'm making a lot of decisions about. Because And then it's important that the first touch actually leads all the way through to valuable business result, and not just first touch to download a newsletter or sign up to a newsletter or download ebook. Because at least to our experience there's not the correlation between signing up to an ebook and becoming a customer is, is too far
0: amazing yeah couldn't agree more um okay so let's get a bit practical now because i think that all makes a lot of sense and i'm sure people are sitting there thinking okay great but how do i actually do this and like very practically implement it um so, yeah, I don't know if you're able to just talk through in very simple terms, how people should approach attribution if they're reliant on staple platforms like Google analytics, Salesforce, HubSpot, et cetera, like the basic setup and practices just to get to a point where they can start getting some reliable insights.
1: Okay. Um, a couple of things I would say like basic uh, exercises, think through about the activities at your company. Are we generating, uh, digital touches? Or not so kind of if you see your salespeople just like sitting and typing at their phone calling customers leaving no trace behind that they actually did something then you want to like force them to you know log into HubSpot and press dial from within there or use air call or something else so look through kind of your organization and try to make sure that like activities actually leave behind the digital reflections could also be you say you hosted a breakfast for 20 VIP prospects, you probably want to have that, have a reflection inside of the CRM system. So whether, if they become customers at some point, you'll be able to say that we actually had this activity and we yielded this kind of revenue.
0: So an Audit of all activities and make sure where possible they are.
1: <laughs> it, it's very much this kind of like, what's the best time to plant a tree? <laughs> and that was like 20 years ago, but. Second best is now. And when it comes to all sorts of data, this kind of you want to start before you want to do the analysis. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The second thing uh, I wanna like the component that people always miss is the like the track data from the website. What people don't consider is that when they use or rely on Google Analytics, it's some third-party resource that does the tracking for them that stores the data in a bucket that they own. So you need to switch to some kind of first party tracking solution where anybody who arrives to your website, you track them with your own script, you store them in a data warehouse. If you can join their unknown identity with a known identity, then you can start looking at uh, whether you produce pipeline or not. I don't know if this is getting a little bit too technical. Uh,
0: What what sort of um, tech are people, like I guess you or others using to do that? What, what would be very practical steps to take?
1: Yeah. So for example, a, a tool that you can use the tool like segment.com has an excellent tracking script that can first party store every visitor. You can use stream data as well. And there's like several others of these. And then it's important that it's this kind of first party tracker. So it's it's your company who stores your own data. Mm-hmm. And then you start, you start building a history. And the reason why that's important is that since you're in b2b your journeys are going to be long so like a click today is the customer 6 months from now so that means that you can't just start tracking and then expect to be able to to say something meaning, meaningful about the journeys that that you you guys are seeing
0: amazing cool um that makes sense and then i guess so when if we get into some more of the Nitty gritty. I've seen you speak a lot on LinkedIn about um, the importance of offline conversion tracking. And I think I wanted to bring this up because I know that a lot of companies don't necessarily implement this. Um, and so just wanted to get you to quickly cover off what it is, why it's important and why companies should be making sure that they have that activated.
1: Really happy to, Alice. It's a, it's a, just a new feature we've launched. So happy to talk about it. But if essentially, what you want to be using uh, offline conversions for is because in B two B we don't like we don't sell a running shoe. So you click a button, you buy, and then we ship. In B two B, we buy a click. Then it takes six or twelve months, and then we sell. Offline conversions means that we can take pipeline data and feed back into the uh, the ad platforms to inform the algorithms about what what are the good clicks and what are the bad clicks. So if you've bought 10,000 clicks, how many MQLs did they yield? How many SQLs did they yield? And how much did you win? So you kind of have this feedback loop between acquiring a cohort of clicks and then sending back the information to the ad platform that which one of them were the valuable ones.
0: And I think this is so important because for so long we've been saying like don't rely on in-platform performance metrics. You need to be in the CRM, but there hasn't been like an easy way to connect the dots between the two beyond like a lot of manual data. um, Yeah, consolidation. So this is a new powerful tool that marketers should definitely be leveraging, um, which is great. Amazing. Cool. So moving on 2023, we know that the buying journey, there's a lot of dark spots in it. So and I guess we'll call them untrackable moments that happen um, and are helping to drive a lot like a lot of the pipeline that many companies are building. I saw that you could have sort of put this into some quite nice stats from, I guess, the Dream Data platform, but there's on average 192 days from first touch to deal one. There's more than 31 sessions involved, and there's two plus stakeholders involved, each owning two plus devices. So it sounds like a pretty difficult problem to solve, like when we break it down like that. But yeah, just would love to hear from you. How do we go about tackling this in 23?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And these the numbers here are based on stuff that we've been able to track digitally. So there's more, there's very likely yeah. more seconds yeah. and more length, uh, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. What we did here was look at all our customers' data and look at what is the average length of journeys uh, and so forth. So I think it's first of all it's important to be aware about this and also to to use it as both an educational piece for your company and specifically to the CFO, etc., cetera, or salespeople. So let's say you have a Q4 target of this year in terms of what you need to sell. Then you can start counting back from Q, Q4 and to 192 days before that, which means actually a lot of the clicks and marketing activities that you guys are carrying out right now is, one of gonna, is what's going to make up the deals that the sales team is going to close uh, six months from now. And
0: I think that's a really important point because so many models built by CFOs and ops end up not having any lag built in, which is a real problem.
1: Yeah, and what we actually found, what, which I find really interesting, is that what normally when you ask a company how long is your, sales or your customer journey, what they tell you is really how long the sales journey is yeah. from the first conversion until they sell. What we can see uh, with our customers is, is that the unknown research phase uh, is typically 1 to 1x, 1.5x, the same length of the known time. So people spend three months lurking around just checking out what you do before they let, or they raise their hand and say, okay, now I want to talk.
0: Amazing, yeah. It's It's definitely important when it comes to building those, yeah. Um, models with the cfo and finance as well getting- and
1: it also means that like f- for running your own marketing experience uh, experiments you like kind of you need to understand what are the leading indicators that we can trust because like revenue is a very clearly lacking indicator that it takes six or 12 months or something like that so and we can't just sit down and wait for for this time for like now we bought some clicks we'll just wait and see what happens we need to come up with proxies to the path of of the outcomes that we want and I, I think for many marketers is that like booking the demo calls that gets booked is a very meaningful measure because it's not necessarily a long time between the marketing activity and then somebody booking a demo call
0: yeah and what are, what would be other lagging indicators that you look at as well
1: like lacking them it is really just sales pipeline and and revenue that, that those are kind of the things uh I guess like if you have enough data and history stored, then you can start looking at churn and upsell as well, kind mm-hmm. of like stretching it out really far where did we acquire this customer for? Was was it a good fit? Were they happy afterwards or did they churn, uh, uh, et cetera?
0: And how often are you reviewing your attribution data and then making like decisions against where you're putting your budget or altering the path which you're on? Um, reflective of what you're seeing in that attribution picture?
1: That's a good question, Alice. Uh, So because we know every activity of every account, our salespeople actually use the tool every day to understand of the accounts I own, have they made a move on any platform, that being the website, the CRM, the customer success, anything like that, so they can see if people are lurking around looking at stuff. So they use those data every day, I would say for for ad spend, maybe once, a couple of times per month, I, I, I go in and see how is it responding, adjust a little bit, and then move on.
0: Okay, great. And then I'm going to go on to something which um, I know there's been a lot of talk about, which is this whole idea of um, human attribution. Um, so, obviously, Refine Labs and Chris Walker are big advocates of um, adding to your demo form or as we do on our thank you page, just a question of like, how did you hear about us? And to free text, collect that data and have that feed into your CRM and be a hybrid kind of attribution model where you use that qualitative feedback to help illuminate a lot of that dark social stuff we've spoken about that we know happens alongside what you get from your actual Um, data-backed attribution model so just would love to hear um, from your perspective is this something you're like a proponent of what are your yeah thoughts and views on it and how would you implement it
1: yeah actually a funny thing we we actually put a case on our website where we recorded self-reported attribution on 100 demo calls and then we also made our survey i know chris and his team has made their survey as well but i can say from our we did it on 100 demo calls that got booked. I would say one, it doesn't cost you anything to have the form field, so i would, like I would recommend anybody to to always have it because maybe you learn something what yeah. i and we only ran it for a hundred demo calls, but what we found was that it was it was a it was quite often very vague or non-directional like when people put in Google
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay. Uh, what did you search for? Uh, what did you click on? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to kind of it, what 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 should I do more by knowing this? I would. And so it's kind of I'm sure it works great for for certain things. Um, but we could see there was a lot of people that don't know how they got sucked into your funnel. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And then they report some of the latest things that they remember. Uh, I think it's also a little, I, you'd also then send, or at least something you should be aware uh, that you can be get a little bit confirmation biased. So say you run a podcast, then you really want to see that the podcast gets mentioned in the form field. So, okay, somebody mentioned it. That must mean that the podcast is great. It might be. Uh, you just have to kind of like look yourself in the mirror and say, answer whether, are we exaggerating the what we're interpreting here or not? But yeah, people can go to our our blog and then search for for, for this blog post. We we put out all the answers uh, just to try to kind of say this is what we got and how we interpreted it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like a bottom line, I would oh pretty much set it up for most companies because you might discover stuff that works. To me, uh, versus what we have uh, available at DreamData, was really not uh, directional in terms of. What what should we do next by by learning this? But I don't know, Alice. I, I, with you, what what's your impression of it?
0: Yeah, I think we're we're a little bit similar in that, like we 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 report on it every month, and we we sort of we build the view and and we see very much the same picture, which is that we know that the our organic LinkedIn is working, we know that our subject matter experts are working, and we know that. Um, we, we also know the podcast works and those those things come out every time and they, they're they quite strong indicators that these are things we should continue to invest in. It's been useful for me to showcase that to the board and the exec team so that I can show like that this sort of media machine we're building is having an impact. Definitely being able to do that with data is helpful but it hasn't shifted our strategy. The place where it has actually illuminated a new channel that we've been working on um, and that is now having an impact is YouTube. So we started recently spending some more money on YouTube, and we spend some of it on like TV. So that's super difficult for us to track from like any mechanism. Um, But we've started to see that appear a lot more and more in that human form. So that's been a really like positive indicator for us that that money is being well spent. Um, So yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's uh, and that's why like you don't if you didn't have that field, you wouldn't know that somebody was exposed for it on YouTube and then ended up on your website afterwards.
0: Exactly. We've been trying yeah. there is I've spoken to so many people that's it, so like, how are you tracking YouTube if it's on being shown on the TV? Like what are you beyond a QR code and then to a specific offer, like how would you be doing this? And there's no good answer bar human attribution. Um and watch time, those were seem to be the two key, me- but obviously watch time still doesn't de-anonymize any individual yeah. interaction. So yeah, for, for us, I guess, and I think this is sort of what Refinals and Chris talk about, is maybe it's giving that validation to stuff that's in test phase. And then yeah. giving you early signals, like leading indicators that that investment in that channel should probably be worthwhile continuing. Yeah.
1: Then what also becomes a little bit hard is the uh, like the budget component of it kind of <laughs> if you get one people person to write YouTube out of a hundred what does that mean in terms of how much more or is it the right amount you're putting into YouTube or, or could you put in more or
0: exactly and then also the makeup of those people because um, are they especially today's economy like are they the people who are most likely to like stay the longest and give us the healthiest return or um, yeah are they? sort of some of those like lower end customers that uh, just that sort of top that that in depthness, I guess of detail we don't have from that at all we just have a directional at this point yes we should continue to invest a bit here
1: that's super interesting
0: cool
1: it is like it comes down to can we get in front of the right people with the right messaging yeah. Then it works.
0: <laughs> I, I guess one thing actually we've been able to do to control it in terms of the audience and the people is we've done a lot of experimentation on utilizing the cognizant data asset to have uploaded as audience lists in like Google app, like I guess places where normally you can't target based on audience type as you can on LinkedIn or Facebook to an extent, like so yeah. intent channels like Google and then also to an extent YouTube. but because we've tried the whole um, upload a specific list and um, match it on Google ads and you get very little traction in terms of like mm. volume. So we did try it with YouTube and we've actually seen that we get the volume. Um, and yeah. then we're also controlling who in terms of the audience makeup because we're providing that data. Which...
1: Yeah, awesome. us, uh, you guys, <laughs> given the nature of what you do, you must be able to build some pretty pretty nice lists.
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's a key part of, I guess, uh, what we're experimenting with on the quality side yes excited to see where that leads us to but
1: yeah yeah super nice
0: amazing um okay so i would like to ask this question because i think it's an interesting one and i've definitely had experience of it it can both hinder and help um in term attribution i'm talking about when it comes to sales and marketing alignment so in your experience, what really drives alignment between the two functions versus what can cause the most friction when it comes to attribution and how you implement it into your org?
1: So, so for me, it's it's a tool for uh, alignment. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that, so whenever we have a we win a customer, we can go into Dreamit and look, and we can see what is the what are all the digital touches we are aware about uh, for this deal. And like, if like the first seventy percent of the journey was just pure marketing touches, the salespeople come and say, <laughs> "High five! Thank you very much for for like mm-hmm. bringing this deal in." I think where it can go wrong is is some of these things we touched upon earlier. When original source field is like constantly updated, then the BDR goes in and puts something, then marketing puts webinar, and then yeah. a third person goes in and update again, and that's where it can cause friction and misalignment. Mm-hmm. If the underlying data is, uh, if you can manipulate that, if
0: you're all fighting for that last touch, basically, and you all have different claims,
1: yeah, exactly. So, it's like, what I am interested in, I don't want to invent stuff. I just want to see, like, objectively what's there, mm-hmm. and then that that can be a very nice tool for alignment. If you start inventing stuff or exaggerating or like completely hiding the fact that a BDR actually booked a meeting on that account. <laughs> that's when kind of you start the pissing off your organization and (laughs) start to drive misalignment instead.
0: Amazing. So I guess, yeah, what we're saying is that by having the visibility into this whole multi-touch journey, that is the buying journey today, like there's no getting over it, um, that actually enables everyone to get fair credit on what that looks like. And so therefore, there's much better alignment and less of this. Um,
1: we have yeah. uh, some of the most data-driven of our customers. They do their uh, commission models based on our attribution models. Okay,
0: how does that work? Do you know, like, roughly how they set that up from a comp plan?
1: No, but that's kind of to, to be able to actually give marketing money for the pipeline yeah. they bring in, versus like the, whether the BR BDR does something. Yeah,
0: so it's almost uh, giving marketing opportunity to be compensated in the same way that yeah SDR.
1: Does yeah, exactly um yeah so i think like i think there is also kind of there's a, a gap between knowing what is actually technically possible today and what most marketers uh do in their day-to-day uh, activities yes and that's that's what made me fall in love with my two uh now technical co-founders of our of our company
0: yeah amazing cool okay well i feel like time is coming up but i always end on this question which i actually didn't give you any visibility on beforehand so let's see where we go um what would you tell marketers to start stop and continue doing um given the nature of the economy we're in today and the nature of the buying journey as it is today
1: okay like a simple one any google display campaign that you're running that is not retargeting stop that immediately and save whatever money you're spending
0: nice up. yep Couldn't...
1: it's just pure crap <laughs> <laughs> go for audience networks on any ad platforms we can just see that they convert much more horrible. So stop audience networks, stop display ads immediately and save those money. Nice. <laughs> That's very tangible. What should they start? I would say if you don't have a company-wide understanding of what is your ideal customer profile uh, today in your company, that is the number one exercise you should force everybody to to take part in uh, in doing. That's been such an alignment tool for whole, all of our company, Like. We everybody knows who are we trying to attract. The salespeople are only allowed to work accounts that fit the ideal customer profile. The product people knows only to build features for these people, and it can be an incredible painful journey to say we're actually not going to sell to these guys over here because they're going to be unhappy two months down the line. But it is it's really worth it over time because that means that any money you put into any uh, department gets pushed towards becoming successful with a certain amount of uh, of the market.
0: And I think that's never been more important than today when, yeah, everything is laser focused. It's not just on acquiring that customer, but it's that they're happy and they stay and they become like positive for you and the business.
1: The same with like the messaging, like what you say, if you know really specifically who you're talking to, it just travels so much further and effectively. If 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 it's defined that you just go after those people.
0: Amazing. Well, I guess we could call that a, start and continue um so we can wrap up there but
1: absolutely yeah
0: (laughs) it has been um such a pleasure to talk to you and i think it's been a really interesting episode so i hope that yeah people listening have taken something away in terms of what they can implement into their business from an attribution perspective lots of um great reading resources that we've spoken about so check out that dream data blog um and some great data to kind of go to your cfo and the rest of your exec team with so yeah thank you so much for joining us